Hi, my name is Trevor O'Keefe, and I'm the pastor at Olive Branch Christian Fellowship. We're a Jesus-loving Bible church who are committed to studying the words of Jesus, walking in the ways of Jesus, and partnering in the mission of Jesus. Thanks for joining us on that journey today. Before I introduce Jason Mills to you, we are going to have an introduction video. And so as soon as that introduction video is um, complete, then Jason Mills will come up and teach us. What's up, 2023 Sports Performance Camp? Are y'all ready? Let's go. I'm just excited to see all of us grow right now. I got the ghost, so I don't need a rose, but I might push a phantom that's right off the lot. I know I'm serving the father of time, and that's whether I got on a paddock or not. Canada goose for the cold, and they told me to count on my blessings. I counted a lot. Stashing my treasure in heaven where well, it'll get better, and no matter whether to ride. Katie the second, that's rapper, that's reverend. They started with Jesus, but I never left it. Think they protected, we tend on your hedges. I get you the book, but you boys never read it. My name is Crystalani. I'm here for just to find like, God and just feel his presence, but also to build bonds and also find myself as a person. Shout out to my huddle leader. She's the best, and she makes this experience so much better. My name is Jada Clay. I'm in track, and my camp experience has been very nice and open. I'm a shy person, so it's actually amazing. Um, our huddles have been very open. Everybody's able to express themselves without getting cut off, actually open up about things that they would never share before. I think one thing that's great about being at FCA is you learn this a lot more to your value than what you bring on the field. Knowing who you are, but more importantly, knowing whose you are. You're loved by God, and God 
God wants to just pour into you and, and, and he wants nothing but the best for you. My old self has been crucified with Christ. As he died up there, my old life died with him. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Something that has been so impactful to me is just bringing my relationship with God closer. I thought I was just going to play football here. I was just going to be like, all this FCA thing, the religious, the Christians, all coming one year out the other. I think now my main goal is just to have a closer relationship to God, closer relationship with my family. My name is Cambria, and my camp experience has been so amazing here at FCA. I've loved playing volleyball with all my friends and learning so many great things while also worshiping Jesus and coming closer to Him and just growing in my relationship with Him. I've learned so much, especially my leader Kayla. She's so awesome and she's really helped me with prayer and just when I pray, God always knows what's on my heart. He really knows how I feel. It's so awesome that he just knows me so well and I'm so grateful. My name is Unique Hill. I am from Washington High School in Fresno. I would say worship was the best time in camp for me because I got to connect with a whole lot of people and I love seeing other people worship God too. It makes me not feel alone. Hi, my name is Ethan Moreau, basketball huddle leader. This is my second year at this camp. A few years ago, I was at the UCLA FCA camp, and being a camper, I stood up during the sermon. It made me want to get closer to God and uh, dive deeper into His Word. And being a huddle leader a few years later, it's really cool to see each camper standing up during praise and worship and praising the Lord as well. And in my huddle group as well, it's really cool to have one of my campers stand up during the sermon and being there with him, seeing him raise his hands during praise and worship. It really influenced the rest of my huddle group to open up as well. Hi, my name is Penelope. My camp experience so far, at the beginning of the week, I was definitely struggling a bit. I wanted to go home. I wanted to leave. There was a lot of tears. And then I was talking to a lot of my leaders about it, but I felt like that I should be here. And I felt like Jesus was telling me that I should stay. Give it one more shot. Ever since then, glad I'm still here. My favorite part of the week, it's been being able to spend so much time with like the Christian athletes. Like those are my people, like the people who love God and love their sports. It feels like such a rare thing to have that passion about both of them. Being a camp so where I'm surrounded by all of those, like everyone here is like that, is a really phenomenal experience. I'm Nate and um, God has been teaching me about, like I just been, I came into here not believing in God and I came here to like get convinced that God is real and that was like difficult for me because I'm stubborn. But basically with Tim breaking down his stories was really helpful and then just God sacrifices in knowing that he loves me and then breaking it down with my leaders. So yeah, that's been really helping me out. And yeah, I stood up last night. I believe in God now. What's up, 2023 Sports Performance Camp? Are y'all ready? Let's go. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I can take rest because the living God is living in my chest. Every day I wake up feeling I think the video started over again. <laughs> it's good, but we don't need to watch it twice. <laughs>
Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming this morning. Um, it is, it's fortunate that uh, Trevor and I had this set up ahead of time to come because now he's, he's not feeling well. But thank you for having me. My name is Jason Mills. I work with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We, as you can see from the video, we use sports as an opportunity to talk to people about Jesus because we believe Jesus can change and transform people's lives. And we want to do that through the influence of coaches and athletes. Um, I brought with me uh, Caitlin. She's done an internship with us this summer and is heading back to college. And I thought you, that might give you a good glimpse of what our ministry looks like. So, um, Caitlin, we get one microphone, so we're going to do the, this thing. Yeah. Um, so, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So, my name's Caitlin. I'm so thankful to be with you guys this morning. Um, I currently just graduated from Grand Canyon University. Um, I play softball there. And I'm going back for a fifth year. I'm going to do my master's and play one more year. So, thank you. Um, what has your FCA experience been like? Or what's your? Let's start with what has your faith journey been like? My faith journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family, going to church, um, but from a young age, didn't like going to church. Um, my siblings kind of set a culture that church is boring and we just want to get out of here. Um, and so that was kind of just my heart um, from a young age. And then um, around eighth grade, um, I started to need the Lord, struggling with a lot of fear and anxiety and things that we wrestle with. And um, so going into my freshman year of high school, um, started to get plugged in with my local church um, and FCA, started attending my freshman year in high school. Um, and then during that time, um, the cares of the world and being in a school where there's not a lot of believers or people around me um, to encourage me in my faith. Um, I started to get involved in worldly things, started partying, um, getting involved with that lifestyle, um, needing attention from people, um, and just my faith was on the back burner. I still love the Lord, but uh, my commitment to him was very half in, half out. Um, and so um, I found myself a lot of nights, Friday night at the party and then Sunday morning um, at church. And so this brought a lot of conflict in my heart and the fruit of the spirit was not super evident. Um, I didn't have a lot of peace, not a lot of joy. Um, and then this carried into college my first year um, and then COVID hit. So I got sent home, praise the Lord. And um, when I went home, I was reading through Proverbs and the Lord, it's all about wisdom and the right path and the wrong path. And I was like, whoa, um, what path am I on? And then uh, a verse in Revelation really convicted my heart, which talks about you are neither hot nor cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Um, and I believed him. <laughs> and um, the Lord changed my heart through that verse. And I repented and um, started genuinely following the Lord. Um, and yeah, it's not perfect, as we all know, that there's still a bunch of trials and things that we'll go through. Um, but genuinely can say I have fruit now, praise the Lord. Um, so yeah, it's still a journey, but yes. And, and how has FCA come alongside you in this, uh, just in your life? Yes, so FCA has been a big part of my life. Um, as an athlete, my sports most of the time kind of came first growing up. So we were skipping a lot of Sundays to go to tournaments and um, get that scholarship or whatever that is. And so, <laughs> yes, so FCA was always there because I was an athlete and FCA was Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so I was like, perfect, that kind of fits me. Um, and so just going there was super easy to attend because it just kind of seemed like it was my label. Like, oh, that looks like I can walk in there and feel comfortable. So 
got involved with them. They really helped me grow as a leader. Um, my senior year of high school, I got to help lead the club, which was awesome and challenging, um, but great at the same time. And then um, through college, it's brought me amazing mentors like Kelly. She's in the back. She is amazing. She's here this weekend visiting. Um, and yeah, and now I am looking to come on staff um, and I was an intern for the past two summers. So FCA has always been um, a place that has connected me with community um, to make me feel like I have a familiar face on campus when you're on a campus that's 20,000 people and you don't know who's actually like a believer or anything like that. You can see them on Wednesday nights at FCA and then see them around the school and you're like, yes, I have Christian friends and community and um, yeah, so FCA has always been something that's provided me with mentorship, community, um, and a place to grow as a leader and in my faith. Awesome, thank you. Now, you did an internship this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about, about what you did this summer and some of the things you did? Yeah. Um, so I did an internship with FCA this summer, and that consisted of, I think it was six weeks, um, of serving at camps, FCA camps. So the one that you just saw, um, I served in volleyball, which was fun. Um, and no, I do enjoy volleyball though, but I'm not a player. Um, so I served in that camp. I went to Flagstaff, served in one of their camps. Um, and then we did one in Valley Center and Santa Fe Christian. Um, and it really just helped me exercise what serving looks like and denying yourself and doing things when you're tired um, and coming alongside other believers and praying for each other, um, fighting for each other. Um, and then also just growing in our faith through the word. Um, so reading a lot of the Bible and asking a lot of questions and going through FCA's model of E3, which is super helpful on how to disciple people, which is a lot of what you're doing is learning how to disciple and in a short amount of time. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a huge blessing. Um, and I got to meet a lot of amazing people, um, like Jason. And so, yeah. Thanks. And you said, um, when we talked before you had a story from camp that you wanted to share. Yes. So there was one girl. So my, my camp experience, some people walk out and they're like, I had five people come to faith, like surrender their life. And no one in my group, um, had that experience of, um, they were all believers or professing believers. Um, but as we know, high school can be a very challenging time. Um, so a lot of them had struggles and, um, things that they needed to work through. And so there was one specific girl I remember that whenever we would walk somewhere, she was like right by me. Like wherever we would go, I would just look and she was like next to me. She always found her way next to me, which was super sweet. Um, and so we would just have like little conversations every now and then, like talk about her life. And um, she had just kind of expressed like her struggles in um, just the church she was attending that she didn't feel super connected to the other youth um, and felt like, um, she wasn't growing there, which um, she just wasn't connecting with the other uh, girls her age. And so FCA was like an experience of being with athletes that she felt like she could connect with. Um, and then also the sermons really touched her heart. And so it's that process of sanctification that she was experiencing and like growing close to the Lord and um, learning more. And so then we had like some good conversations about that. And then post-camp, we had a post-camp, what is it called? post-camp connection event, and we invited um, the, the athletes to come and get connected to other people in their area, and hopefully a FCA staff member that can mentor them, 
And so she had come, which was awesome because not a lot of people did. And she was the one girl from my group that did. Um, and then we just chatted after and she was like, yeah, I want to get more connected and just like expressing like her desire to be discipled and her desire to have mentorship. Um, and so through that, she actually got connected to do mentorship with one of the um, girls that does FCA volleyball. Um, so it was super awesome to see um, just that process of sanctification, like I was saying, like you, you might not always have the salvation story, which is amazing and praise the Lord, but get, getting to see her grow through the challenges in her faith and um, seeing the Lord grab her heart and her respond was super awesome to see in the follow-up meeting. Thank you, Caitlin. Appreciate that. Thanks for sharing. Um, Thank you again for letting me come. I, just to share a little bit about the camp that, that we saw the video of. Um, we had Last year we had 262 kids. It was the first time we did the camp. This summer we had 415, so not quite double but close. Um, of that, we get a lot of athletes that are unchurched, and so we had 50 kids come to know the Lord uh, for the first time. We had another 90 rededicate their lives to the Lord. Um, and so it's just that camp has a lot of fruit and the event that we, um, Caitlin was talking about afterwards, we're trying to plug those guys in, you know, you don't want to just like bring somebody into the family of God and then leave them on their own. So we're trying to plug them into churches, we plug them into more FCA groups. So they're not just left on their own. Um, so, uh, let me just share with you a little bit about, um, about some of the things that are practical in my life. I'm a very practical person. Um, and so when Trevor asked me to come and speak, I was like, what's the most impactful thing that, that I was taught as a believer that I can share with you guys? So, um, I am not the, um, breakdown scripture type of guy that Trevor is. So maybe this will be a little break for you, or maybe you'll be so thankful that Trevor comes back next week. You know, who knows? Um, I was, uh, I was on my way home from the beach a little bit ago, and our favorite beach, I don't know where you guys go, we go to Del Mar over off of 26th Street, that's our favorite spot. Um, not a lot of parking, but that kind of keeps the tourists down, and especially in the summertime. Uh, we were on our way back, and we were uh, coming in through the spot where you pass underneath the five, and we were at the, par at the light, and I see this beautiful brand new Jeep Gladiator across the way, and it's on the side of the road. I'm like, why is, the, why is there a... He wasn't waiting for the light. He was on the, you know, up on the curb, off to the side, not running. I'm like, why is a car, it looked like it was broken down. Why is a car, brand new car, sitting on the side of the road? It's not a good ad for Jeep. Um, and then, as I'm sitting there, I see this poor guy walking across the street with a little red can that he'd run out of gas. And I thought, how do you, in today's day and age, in, in, in the middle of San Diego, how do you run out of gas? There's gas stations at every exit. There is actually, the sad part is, there's a gas station like another 100 feet from where the car ended up that he couldn't just get the extra 100 feet. If it were me, I'd be really tempted to just push the Jeep over there instead of walking over. But um, I, I don't know how that hits you. I, I feel like there's kind of two types of people in the world. Um, there's the person that uh, gets, starts to get nervous after the, the line drops underneath half a tank, and you definitely, when the light comes on, you're gassing up. And then there's the other type of person who likes to see exactly how far down that needle will go. I see some hands. Yeah, I feel like, I could be wrong, I feel like there's one of each in a marriage. Yeah? 
and I love my wife, but she's the other one, and it makes me nervous. She's like, oh, yeah, there's no gas in the van. You can make it. And I'm like, I don't know if I can. At least uh, better me pushing the van than you. So here we go. Um, but uh, I have actually never run out of gas. Um, has anybody ever, how many of you guys have actually run out of gas before in your life? A few? A few. Okay. Very cool. I, um, I'm sure this is probably just a problem with being um, a, a pastor's wife, is that my wife gets all the stories about the things that I do wrong or, or whatever to end up in, in uh, illustrations somewhere. So um, years and years and years ago, uh, I'm from Phoenix originally. We were driving back from Phoenix. And we had gone a long way, and, and I was like, oh, we can make it from Phoenix to Palm Springs without gassing up. I don't need to stop in Quartzsite or Blythe or one of the little towns in between. And uh, we get about, we are in, like dead in the middle of the desert. There's nothing around for miles. And I look down for the first time and see that that needle is way down, like dancing with the E. And I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. I have no idea. This is pre-iPhone. like and I had a pretty cool smartphone at the time, and it showed me zero. Like, it wouldn't tell me if there was a gas station. I just saw a map. And so I actually called Highway Patrol and was like, hey, this is where I'm at on the freeway. Where's the next gas station? And they're like, oh, it's 15 miles down the road. No big deal. I was white knuckling that steering wheel for those 15 miles. I was so nervous. I was going to run out of gas. It's 110 degrees, and it's me and my beautiful wife and my, my cute little infant in the car seat, and I'm just having pictures in my head of like me on the side of the road, the three of us trying to get a ride to the closest gas station. Um, I, uh, I was so thankful when we hit that gas station. I don't know. How many of you guys have driven on the 10 before, and you see the gas station that has like the, the tank museum? You guys know what I'm talking about? That was the one. It was the one with the tank museum, and I pulled in there, and I was so thankful for that gas station. And I ran into the gas into the gas station. Was like, "Thank you!" And everybody's just looking at me like I'm a weirdo. Why is this guy so excited? We're just a gas station. Was like, you just saved my life, and you don't even know. Um, running out of gas should be a relatively easy thing in a car, but in life, running out of gas, personally, spiritually, is not e as easy to figure out. So that's what I want to talk to you about today is what does it look like to understand staying full spiritually so that we don't get stuck on the side of the road? Um, if you'd like to join me as I read today, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 16 to 26. This is the section, this is the passage that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. I love that I hear pages turning. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Galatians 5, 16 to 26. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Okay. These are the fruit of the, the Spirit. They're important, right? Paul wouldn't have written us uh, if they weren't important. But let's we're not going to do a deep dive into each one of the fruit. or But let me just cover a few of these. Um, love, right? Paul starts off strong. There's a whole chapter about it, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, most of the time you hear this read at weddings, that sort of thing. Um, this is agape love, which is fatherly love, which I, to be honest, I didn't really understand until I was a father and you look at this crazy little thing and just poops and screams and you love it anyway, right? Um, if I would give you a challenge, if you, if you really want to challenge, see how close you are or how, how loving you are, take 1 Corinthians 13 and look at it like a check, checklist and then find somebody in your life and start just going down the list. Um, I can't actually do that and make all the checklists, I got to be honest. Um, the next one is peace. And this isn't just any peace, right? This is the peace that surpasses all understanding. There's the peace that we get when we're sitting at the beach and the waves are crashing in and we're just hanging out and it's peaceful. Or maybe you take a walk in the forest and it's, you know, the birds are chirping. That's not really this kind of peace. This is the, this is the peace that is in the storm. You know, this is the peace that when Jesus was in the boat and the disciples are freaking out that he was still asleep because he knew God was in control and everything was going to be just fine, right? That's a peace that, that normal people just don't understand. Um, and that's the kind of peace that is one of the fruit. Next one is kindness. Um, Jesus talked a lot about kindness. He talked about feeding the poor, feeding those who can't help you, feeding, you know, being helpful and kind without expecting something in return from people that can't really do anything in return, right? The, the parable of the Good Samaritan would be an example of that, right? The guy that was stuck on the side of the road couldn't do anything, left for dead, and the Samaritan just came along, took care of him, expecting nothing in return. But these are awesome, right? Like these are the things that we, as Christ followers, we want to exhibit in our life. So how do we do that? I want to, in order to do that, I want to talk about a couple of misconceptions about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, usually how we talk about something is how we think about something. So some of these, what do we usually say? When you hear one of these, it's usually, I'm working on my, right? I'm wor- usually it's, I'm working on my patience, right? And have you heard that before? If you really want to work on your patience, go stand in the line of DMV. The, the, there's not a whole lot of patience going on. Um, again, my poor wife has been around for some adventures. We worked at a, a Christian camp years and years ago, um, and somebody donated chairs, that folding chairs that we were supposed to pick up. And so we rented a moving van, drove up. They were in L.A. Camp was in Ramona. We're like, okay, three hours there, three hours back. Should be back five, six hours. No big deal. We drove to L.A., traffic was awful, it was a 16-hour day. We get pulled into the house with that stupid moving van again, and my wife was like, let's never speak of this day again. So there was, there was zero patience in that moving van. Lots of chairs and zero patience. Um, but it's also, if I'm working on it, how do, how do I do that, right? How do I add patience? But let's start with something different. Whose fruit is it? Fruit of the Spirit, whose fruit is it? It's the Spirit's fruit, right? It's not my fruit. But we, 
we have a tendency to work on it, right? If you were, if you walked into your backyard and you saw that your avocado tree or your orange tree or lemon tree, whatever you have, the fruit was bad. What would you do? Would you go get a rag and a spray bottle and, you know, put some cleaner on it and try to shine up all those lemons? No, it'd be useless, right? It's just going to keep, keep doing it. There's something wrong with the tree if it's not producing good fruit. But when we try to work on the fruit and we say, oh, I'm not producing the fruit of the Spirit, that's us going out into the backyard with the rag, right? Because the responsibility of where the fruit comes from is the Holy Spirit's. Um, there's a quote from John, John Stott, who's a, a theologian, um, that I love that has to do with this. The Christian should resemble a fruit tree, not a Christmas tree. For the gaudy decorations of a Christmas tree are only tied on, whereas fruit grows on a fruit tree. In other words, Christian holiness is not an artificial human accreation, but a natural process of fruit bearing by the power of the Holy Spirit. I learned a, I learned a new word in that one, accreation, which means like slow growth. Um, but he paints a good picture, doesn't he? You know, that Christmas tree and all the ornaments and all the things that, like, if you still use a real Christmas tree, that thing's gone in a month. It's brown. It's not living. But the tree in the backyard that produces fruit is going to continue to produce fruit. It's living. It's alive. It's not, it's not dead, right? Um, if the Holy Spirit and God are what's responsible for producing the fruit in our lives, it seems a little backwards for us, right? Because everything in our life is really, we have to earn it. If you want something, if you want a new car, a bigger house, a better job, whatever it is, it's something you have to work for. But the gospel is something that God did, that Jesus did, his work on the cross, dying for us, is what earned our salvation. But this passage and the idea that the Holy Spirit is what produces fruitness, God is also the one responsible for the transformation in our hearts that produces fruit. So again, something that we can't earn. That's backwards from the rest of the things in our lives. Is it producing this fruit? Let's look at another misconception about fruit. Uh, let me ask you, how many fruit are there? Fruit is plural. I, I think it's singular. It's, it doesn't say fruits. But I'll, I'll prove it because you're right. Because sometimes we use fruit as a, as a plural, right? You go into the grocery store and you see, you go to the fruit section and there's a bunch of fruit, right? You see a bowl of fruit. There's usually more than just one. But Paul, when he wrote this, would have been sitting, would not have had a grocery store, probably would not have had a bowl of fruit, but would have been thinking about a tree that only produces one type of fruit or a vine, right? When Jesus talked about the vine, it's only grapes grow on that vine. You're not going to see lemons or oranges or apples grow on it, right? There's only one fruit. So why is there a list, right? Why is there a bunch of things on there? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Why is there a list? I think it's because what Paul is describing is the multifaceted thing that the Holy Spirit produces in us, right? So if you were to go to the store and get an orange, and then you met somebody who had never seen an orange before, and they asked you to describe it, and you're like, well, it's orange. Like the color. Well, that's kind of simple, right? No, you, it's got a peel. You open it. And then when you bite into it, it's, it's juicy and pulpy, but it's acidic and sweet. Like, these are all aspects of an orange. 
Thank you again for listening to the Olive Branch Christian Fellowship Podcast. For more information about our church, go to olivebranchcf.org.